0: Ambitious bitch. She just wants to climb up the ladder. These were the words that I heard my colleagues saying. And they were saying it about me. They were talking about me. And I was just two tables down from them in the coffee shop. They didn't see me. That was the most eye-opening moment of my corporate life, I guess. The discussion went on and on, and I just calmly listened to everything. Well, under the shock, I guess. But basically, I was described as this person who didn't care about the theme or anything, who probably had sex with her boss to be able to get to that level, that young, and I was the ambitious bitch. So this was about four people who were able to say hello to my face with big smile and never ever let me know about their thoughts before. I got up and went to see them and I said, hi, how are you doing? And they were like, just like nothing ever happened. I said, well, I have been sitting just right here and heard everything, but thank you very much. It was a great feedback. And left the coffee shop in tears. I hope they didn't see me in tears, I was thinking. So this was when I was around 27, maybe 26. I can't remember exactly. And yeah, I was climbing the ladder quite fast. I was ambitious and I am still ambitious. And I loved my job and I loved my boss. No, I didn't have sex with my boss. In fact, I've never had sex with any of my bosses or my customers or anything. But for some reasons, whenever I wanted to achieve something bigger or bolder, I was always put in a corner in a case like ambitious bitch who probably had sex with someone. That was my corporate life. Imagine how that hit me hard afterwards. Welcome to the She Is Awesome podcast, the home for women business owners filled with extraordinary stories, giggles, and thoughtful conversations, offering inspiring takeaways for your life and your business. Hello, hello, my dear friend. It's Jay here and you are on the She's Awesome podcast. Today, I want to talk about something a little controversial. I'm going to ask a question, a question that is a little bit, you know, it might trigger you actually. And I want to do that because I have been in Paris for four days, full day workshops in a mixed group of people, so men and women. And I've noticed some things and I was like, wow, I really need to talk about this. So the question is simple. Are we women thought to dream small, play small when it comes to business or career? And I guess No one at school or at home were told to play small explicitly. But definitely, I think we have been receiving a lot of cues in our lives to understand that playing big is too risky for us. And to play big, there are so many other aspects of life you need to fulfill first so that you are not one they called ambitious bitch. And I can start from the most superficial to, you know, most archaic thoughts. Yeah, I think there is definitely some sort of conditioning that has been happening, especially probably, you know, from the generations who are I would say at least late 20s, early 30s to, well, 50 above, 60 above, or, you know, 100 above. So maybe things are changing. Actually, it's not maybe. Okay, so things are changing. I can see that in the society, in the corporates, and, you know, in the media, things are changing. But actually, I think we still need probably another two to three generations to see the real change impact, right? We are still in a transition period. So let me talk to you about this interesting observations that I had this past week. I was fortunate enough to be called to help a big corporate organization with their leadership team and the program that we developed for them was multiple aspects. And one of the aspects was diversity and inclusion. And of course, as soon as you get into that topic, we were talking about gender diversity and how it is. So first of all, let me tell you something. There were about 30 people in the room And it was literally half, half, half women, half men. They were all in some sort of leadership position in their organizations and they wanted to understand each other and they were quite open to understand. The topic was about you need to be courageous to be able to actually talk and promote actively diversity and inclusion and call out behaviors that are not appropriate or not aligned with this mission. And then I asked, okay, who has actually experienced any kind of problems around diversity and inclusion or who has witnessed it? So all women, of course, raised their hands. They raised their hands and it was kind of like, you know, a common thing. The interesting part of it was men were shocked to see that the women were raising their hands, right? And then I started to question how come, what what happened? And all women had some sort of, you know, either a comment or a, a, a very, you know, typical patriarchal behavior towards them. In the workplace, maybe not in that company, in that organization, but in the workplace. And of course, I wasn't shocked either because I have been, you know, victim of this type of behaviors as well. So then we moved from that topic to another topic. And then we came to the topic of courage that I was just talking uh, about a minute ago. And I asked this question very naively. I asked, when was the time when you were courageous? last you know like it wasn't a question of knowing if they were courageous or not it was when was it and something very interesting happened no one raised their hands no one not one person raised their hands to say i was courageous you know in 19 whatever or 22 whatever and no so that got me interested and i said so hang on a second more than half of you guys have either experienced or witnessed uh, a form of discrimination at workplace and none of you were able to talk. Silence. Then I turned to the women who have raised their hands a few minutes before about the question of discrimination and gender discrimination. So I turned to women and I asked, so why didn't you speak up? You know, why didn't you raise your voice? And then the answer was almost shocking. And they said, well, they would either say that they are trying to grab attention or create problems, or it would come across as, you know, being ambitious bitch or whatever. So, This was one of the experiences of last week, which was quite interesting to see because I think these type of microaggressions chip out of your belief in the system, belief in others, belief in yourself, that there's no possibility to be courageous. And if you're not courageous, how the fuck are you going to dream big, right? So. That was kind of like a a really big understanding for me. You know, you don't need to even go back when you were seven years old and you were told to be a good girl. It's not even about that. It's also about since you are 20, since you're in the workforce, what has been happening to you to chip away so much? Of your courage, or to become so cynical about the world and, you know, how things are that how would you be able to even go beyond, you know, your limits and your perceived limits are so difficult. I mean, dreaming big is a job that you can only do if you are a little bit brave and you're a little bit courageous, right? So I think there is a big part of that small daily things that we have been hearing, seeing on media that conditioned our brain to, you know what, just don't make a mess, don't make it fast and, you know, be invisible, as invisible as you can. Oh my God. And speaking here, but hey, remember, I had to go through a big, dark passage, you know, really big and really dark moment in my life to restore the courage by restoring my belief in myself. And that was after a son of a bitch thought that he could take away 70% of my business just because I refused him. You know, that was a hit on me. And it took me about two years to get in a place of dreaming big. Two years and a lot of therapy, self-development, you know, inquiry and working on myself. So that is one side of, I think, very big societal, how would I say, societal trap that a lot of women generations have faced, and that chipped away something from them that actually canceled their ability to dream big. So that's one. So the next one was day two, and it was another dimension. And so we were talking about how to build executive presence, you know, how to have the gravitas and charisma and, you know, impact on people. And we were talking about building a personal brand? And how do you do that within the organization or as yourself? And this goes for being an entrepreneur as well. And when we were talking about that, we looked into things like what are my values? What are my aspirations? What are my quality skills? And then we said, what are the three words that I want people to describe me right? So there were a lot of words out there and it was different. But for example, one of the attendants who was a female attendant said, I want people to see me as a leader. Okay, that's great. Perfect. Then came the discussion about, okay, but how do we get there? How do we communicate? How do we convey these three words. What are the tools in our possession to be able to convey these three words? And there are five of them. And I was, so uh, I was explaining what are those tools, five tools, the, the words that you use. So that your message is one tool, then your Appearance is another tool, then your voice is another tool, your body language is another tool, and of course, your behavior and actions are also in your toolbox. And the question was, okay, how do I work on these five tools so that they help me deliver and convey these three aspects, these three ways to come across? So let me give you an example. My three words are inspiring, approachable, and knowledgeable, right? So how would I convey these words in my messages? Well, my messages need to have substance. My messages need to be informed and not just, you know, motivational to inspire because there is the knowledge bed that I am giving. But also my messages should not be too formal. They should be a little bit light, right? And in terms of inspiration part, probably is... My messages should have stories inside so that maybe my life stories, but also other people's stories so that it inspires people. So this is the type of exercise that I was trying to encourage the group to do on their own three words. And you go from messages to well, voice, what type of voice you need to have. And then you go on to your body language. How do you need to stand and what kind of a posture do you need to have? Can you inspire people with a, you know, closed posture or slumpy posture? No. So all these were kind of like discussions that we were having. And the women who was talking about willing to be seen as a leader said, oh my God, I can't believe this. And I was like, oh, what have you done? She said, no, but this is too much. You know, we need to also work on this. Think about this. This is too much work. And then a lot of women joined her and one of them said, well, we need to think about the management. We need to think about coaching people. We need to think about home. We need to think about kids. We need to think about that. Now we need to think about this. So they had this kind of like, ah, an overwhelmed reaction. And then I turned towards other people and that corner, there were a lot of men. And then one of them said, oh, I don't see that complicated because, you know, even if you did one or two, it's better than doing nothing. And there, that was my light bulb moment again. Of course, she was getting really overwhelmed because she wanted to deliver 100% on every single tool she wanted to deliver 100%. All women wanted to deliver on 100%. Like that study that says, well, women apply to a job if they match the requirements of the job, 100%. When men apply, if they match it, 60%. Why the guy would be overwhelmed? They wouldn't be because they don't have to do it 100%. They don't have that understanding of life. Whereas women have incredibly increased expectations of themselves and their own performance, which is almost unrealistic. So the minute you put, you know, another Jenga block on the tower, it just crumbles. Most of the men in the room did not see it that way. Actually, it was very interesting because they saw it even more important than coaching their team. Whereas women were seeing coaching their team was more important, men saw that actually working on their executive presence was more important. I'm not talking about like, actually, this wasn't that, you know, binary, uh, black and white, but more men were interested in something that would progress them rather than their team. And women know. So that moment was a great moment for me because this is like, like light bulb. Wow. No, not light bulb, like flashlights, headlights, like, oh my God, of course, of course we can't dream big. Of course, because everything that is required by that dream, you need to hit every single box. You need to do the checklist of <laughs> All the requirements. Imagine your big dream as a job application. You got to hit everything that is required by that dream before even you can dare to dream. You know, it's insane. It's insane. And look, I am absolutely not here trying to give any life lessons. This is just actually a revelation for me, for myself. And I remember where I was and how I went that journey. And it just is helping me to understand how I got out of a very dark space and started to dream big and live in that dream by accepting that I wasn't going to hit everything. When I started Academy for Women Entrepreneurs, actually, you know, I was like hitting nothing. It was just an amazing dream with a lot of passion, a lot of commitment. And that's about it, basically. I mean, I had, of course, I had a big career behind me and I knew and I had some sort of confidence in being able to get out of certain situations and find my way through. That was it. I didn't have any network. I didn't have any understanding of how to build a a b2b in the very small business environment i didn't have that much of sales experience i didn't have that much of you know growing a business to a level that i want to grow this i grew my first business because i was coming from that sector the first day i was out of the agency and i was in my business I had already a black book of clients and I was able to send them messages saying, come and work with me, I'll do it cheaper. And that's how I got my first contract. That was a, a six-figure contract. And it was, you know, third month of my first business because, you know, I knew how to do it. I was repeating what I was doing for someone else. But this business, this business was completely from scratch, I invented or created stuff that were not in my life before. And the only way that I've done it was because I lowered my expectations about myself. And if you have to hit 100% or 90, 80, it's insane. And if you're doing it every single fucking aspect of life, of course, you get overwhelmed. I understand that women now. I didn't understand it at that moment. But, you know, like I thought about it. I thought about it. How come the majority of men were completely at ease with that concept of, you know, working on their words, body language, et cetera, et cetera. And women thought that it was just too much. It was not easy because in their mind, they needed to hit it. Hit it first time, probably, or, or, you know, do it so good and do it all the five tools. I mean, yeah, mind blowing, mind blowing. So I don't know if you're following me. I am pretty sure that you know what I mean. You know, I am pretty sure that you understand that your tendency to, you know, deliver your best at everything is actually a hindrance to dream big. And I know all the perfectionists out there, or even those who are preaching excellence, which is my kind of thing, right? We are all trembling with the thought of not doing it that way. I do. But I also know that not doing it that way is the way forward And the way to freedom, you will grow your wings. You will grow your wings and fly higher, right? So how do we do this? How do we do this? Let's get a bit more practical. Right. The first part is about courage, right? How do we grab back our courage by the balls and put it at its place and make it help us? Okay. And I'm talking about not courage, that you might show for others. I'm talking about courage of showing up for your own dreams, right? The one thing that helps me and I know I'm not a big fan of putting another thing to do on the list. And I don't do it regularly. I don't do it 100%, right? You don't have to do it 100%. But when it is meaningful for you, it is something that works for me. And for example, when I go into places of unclarity, I grab that tool. And that tool is type of a journaling that I do at the end of the day. And these are the questions that I think about. One, what was the moment that I'm proud of or the moment of the day, the moment that I want to remember, the moment that needs to be in my journal? And this can be a one thing like, uh, I talked to a friend of mine. It can be a symbol or it can be a little bit bigger. The second one is, the second question in the journal is, where did I play it safe and small, right? Where didn't I show courage? And I try to kind of like reflect on this. Sometimes there aren't, you know, some days are are very, (laughs) very uh, blah. Some days are courageous days. But usually when I need to right there's something in me that makes me right and usually that is that kind of like why so that can be as simple as you know I didn't go and say it it was a known area so one last thing now after listening to all this if you're still saying to yourself you know what I don't have any big dreams I'm happy where I am all good I don't want to dream big it's not my thing that is so fine as well. Dude, no judgment, okay? That is so fine as long as you're sure. As long as you're sure that it's not because you are not thought but conditioned by others to do much more than what is actually possibly possible, okay? <laughs> And also not dream big because you got to be small and quiet so that you don't get those aggressions or whatever, you know. But if you have the slightest doubt that actually there's something in you that wants to fly high and there's something in you that that just wants to dream big and, and wants to be seen or wants to make something... That seems impossible. Possible? Please, please listen to this again. This is probably one of the best podcasts that I have recorded because it is actually motivating me. It is actually giving me power to talk about this fucking topic because now I understand two mechanics that I haven't seen for forty-two years of my life. Well, I couldn't see probably when I was ten, but. You know what I mean? I haven't seen this. We are always told about the, um, oh, you know, girls are told to be nice and stuff. Yes, I can relate to it, but it's so far away. This is something different. And thanks to my today and two days ago, I was able to see it. And I am so grateful for this moment of realization and light bulb and I just wanted to share this with you so last message drop the weight that is on your shoulders you know cut those ties and then your wings will grow and I promise you it feels so good then you start to allow yourself to dream big and to allow yourself to be courageous talk about that dream and to start doing it and you fail about it. It's okay. Fail miserably and share and then you will do it again and you will do it again. One thing that I promise is there will be always people who will be behind you and will believe in that journey and share because I need you to share. A lot of women that I know, they need you to share. You need to share. We need to share right? We need to share those bold actions, big stories so that we all can dare to dream bigger. With that, I'm just going to say bye now. Meet me back here next week. Well, my friend, thank you for listening to this She Is Awesome podcast. If you want to share your extraordinary story and dare to inspire others, send an email to hello at academy.com. You can find the email address in the show notes. Well, let's meet here again next week. Take care. Bye now.